Hello and welcome back to The Politics Show. We took a week out. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, I'm joined by guests as always. Three guests, three wonderful guests. Um, first off, we have Marcus Reese. Hello. <laughs> Extinction Rebellion member oh, and up. my good friend. Um, we have Tom Ratford. <laughs> hello. Esteemed URB member and Labour <laughs> member as well. And as always, next to me, with DJ Tory himself, Whee! Henry Robinson. He's, he's dropped it again. Hello, everyone. Hello. I absolutely love that nickname. I'm never yeah. going to stop calling you. I mate. don't. I don't. <laughs> um, just a side note, this is the first show we're going to be recording, and it'll be put on our Spotify. So make sure you go over to University Radio Bar Spotify, where you can listen to all our podcasts. You can listen to the Think It's All Over show with our very own Owen Meader. So um, head over to that. Um, right, right on to the show. Um, we're going to be talking about various things. We're going to be discussing Extinction Rebellion, as we have Marcus Oi. on. <laughs> we're going to talk about the monarchy and about the coronavirus, which is obviously panicking everyone at the moment. Um, but first off, um, in the news recently, um, Rishi Sunak, the um, Chancellor, the new Chancellor, um, has been told by the IFS that he should um, raise taxes in, order, in his first budget in order to... Um, meet the pressures of the like increased spending that he has pro- laid promise in the manifesto um so my question is to you is is it right to raise taxes for the rich and for the big companies i think we get get henry on that first yeah sure yeah. um i think it's two separate issues so individuals um in my opinion shouldn't be taxed any more than they are um and high as that is and then corporates i think need to be Focused on, I think there's a ridiculous amount of uh, tax avoidance, Starbucks, that kind of thing. Um, you've heard it all before. But that's what we need to focus on in, t- in terms of generating more tax revenue, if you like. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom, guessing as a Labour member, you, don't, you disagree with that? Uh, yeah, I do. I agree with his sentiment on big companies. I think big companies get away yeah. with way too much. I think it should be taxed yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. more, and I think they should be enforced a lot more. But I also, but I disagree, I think that um, individuals should be taxed more. Uh, I think the top 5% of earners should probably re- pay more than they currently do um so that's probably where we would disagree and yeah i'd like to get marcus's opinion on that before we yeah, start I, think I, would, I would agree with a lot of that sort of i think there's a lot of problems at the moment that need to be sorted out yeah. i think taxing the rich and giving a bit more to the poor is p- potentially one of the ways to solve it yeah so um henry why do you think we shouldn't tax the rich then um well it's, it's how you define it isn't it so yeah. you know how do you define the rich well at the moment it's i think over fifty thousand pounds you're earning over fifty thousand pounds a year. You're classed as a high earner. Um, I think if, if you know, if you look at London house prices, it's, it's incredibly expensive to bring up a family in London on a sixty thousand pound salary, for example. I don't think those people should be taxed. And also, there are people that contribute humongously to our society in other yeah. ways, such as GPs, doctors. They're in that. They're in that bracket. So if we're looking at you know potentially taxing billionaires more, that kind of thing, absolutely, I think. But you've got to be careful how you define the rich, because I don't think someone earning necessarily earning over £50,000 is rich, really. Yeah. And I think in our position as students, it's easy for us to be like, well, yeah, you should, should tax, them, tax them more. But we've got to remember, in five years' time, we're probably going to be in that position as well. And I doubt uh, everyone's opinion will remain the same in that, in that circumstance. But um, surely... Um raising the taxes on those people will will, uh, provide a lot of money into the system where else are you going to get that money so my argument is that you should do that by preventing uh, huge corporates like Google um, from setting up their uh, setting up their HQ in low tax 
um, regions or yeah. countries uh, and actually enforce through international law negotiation, maybe that would be through the WTO, I don't know, um, to ensure that these huge corporates contribute fairly to the societies that they operate in. Yeah, so um, Tom, why do you think it's uh, fair to tax the rich then? Um, well, I think just to um, reply to her, Henry's argument, I think yeah. he's taken two separate things. I think the London is a very expensive place to live. And I understand that, but I think if you also look at average uh, salary prices in London, I would guess they would be higher than the rest of the UK. Mm. So I think, you know, uh, there would be a knock-on effect of taxing them. If nobody can afford to live in London, then no one's going to live in London. So I don't think that's necessarily true. And also, I think you then mentioned that uh, people earning over £50,000 are people like GPs and doctors. That's also true, but they're not necessarily living in London. They could be living in a much poorer place of the country. And I think when you boil it down, you get to an issue which is that um, if you're rich, if you have a high salary, uh, high earner, you, it's much easier for you to stay and get richer than it is if you're poor. Uh, and I, so that's why I think we need to tax them, because I think if you just allow these people to essentially run away with the money, then uh, a year on year, if you think about it, if you're earning, if you're earning £50,000 a year, right, and someone is earning minimum wage, mm. in one year, there's only like that difference. But then that difference doubles every single year. And so it's a lot easier for somebody who is rich to maintain to stay rich than it is for someone who is poor to get to that same level you know there's going to be the the assets owned by people earning over £50,000 is going to be massively more than someone on minimum wage and that's why I think they need to be taxed more because it's the, 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 the name of the game is having assets and if you can't get that then you're right Marcus, do you want to jump in? Uh, I guess the sort of general point to sort of, I don't know, we can come back to these points, I suppose. I think it's underestimated sort of the public good of taxing. I think a lot of people view tax as like, it's just going away from me. I'm not getting anything out of it. When you have to realise that the public good is a lot more than, a lot more than that. Like, yeah. the sort of uh, being able to fund green spaces, like public transport and all that just makes everyone so much happier. <laughs> so I think, it's, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. For me, it's not um, so much... Let's reduce the amount of income the state has. It let's find other ways that we could sure, that sure. we could do it. Um, so just just going back to like the general sort of principle of it for me is well, I, I think hard work is a good thing. I think we should incentivise that and, and reward people for that. And I think you know, a fifth, taxing someone on a fifty thousand pound salary and increasing that from forty percent, which it is now, is is just completely ridiculous. So if you've got I don't know. Darren working in, in Manchester or something, and he's got a new promotion, and he's, and he's got into this next tax bracket, he's earning £50,000, he's worked incredibly hard all his career, only to be told, oh no, we're going to tax you a bit, a low, way more now, under a Rebecca Long-Bailey government or whatever, and all your hard work's gone out the window, because actually, we're going to take that from you, um, which I don't think is really fair. So, it's, it's how you like look at that, how you reward hard work in society, um, and let's face it, some people work harder than others, um, so, and you need to recognise that. And not everyone's equal. Uh, I disagree with the uh, conflation that hard work is equivalent to the salary that you're provided. I don't necessarily believe that everybody. I don't necessarily believe that everybody in this higher bracket is necessarily working any harder or easier than somebody on minimum wage. I would wager that there are lots of minimum wage jobs in which people work longer hours, harder pay, more manual pay for less, or more manual work sorry, for less pay than these people in these higher tax brackets. And I don't think that they shouldn't be allowed to. Uh, make a make a living, be able to support their family, um, whilst someone. And whilst I'm not denying that this hypothetical Dan from Manchester has worked hard as life, I just don't think that someone else in the country should be um, in a situation where they can't provide because um, the system just isn't working for them right now. And I think the only way to do that is either to impose ridiculous, ridiculous restrictions on um, how people are paid 
um, or just simply tax rate more. But then how do you... So you, are you saying that what we need to do is tax corp- we need to tax corporates even more? So uh, we don't need to worry about... Um, I think the tax money needs to come from somewhere. I think the problem we're facing right now is uh, uh, corporations have a lot, a lot of methods to dodge tax. Yeah. And I think, like you said, like they're in technically, like you'd have to create a a World Trade Organization uh, treaty or something. Framework, yeah. Framework or something to stop this from happening. And I don't think that's going to happen in the next... You know, in not it's not going to happen overnight. You know, no. it's not going to be something that can be put in the next budget. But something that could be put in the next budget is an increased tax on the rich, which could be decreased if we could get money from other avenues. But I think that is the the problem right now, and the only way that problem can be addressed right now is by increasing the tax on the rich. The the the, the difficulty I have with just increasing taxes in general, though, is there's always loopholes with it. Um, and I think we saw that in the general election with Corbyn when I think their famous strap line was we'll tax um, the top 5%, only the yep. top 5% will pay more. Well, actually, it's totally wrong because people earning £14,000 £14, a year were going to be taxed up to, I think it was an, an more 400 quid more or something because I of the marriage was... allowance. Um, so actually, these, these proposals need to be actually looked at because if you're going to tax the rich more, nine times out of ten, you're going to be taxing the lower echelons of society even more as well. I generally completely disagree with that and I think that policy was I think that was I know what you're talking about and I'm pretty sure I saw something arguing the opposite so we can can debate this like all day and night but until we have like the articles that we read in front of us and there's no way we can really confirm nor deny that but what I will say is I think taxing the top 5% of earners was important is that when you reach that bracket um, a lot of people don't think they're as rich as they actually are. And I think it's important that in our yeah. positions we can miss that there are lots of people in our society who are very vulnerable, something like 400,000 children in poverty, something ridiculous like that. And I just don't think it's fair that these families exist yeah. and other families uh, exist. And whilst I know what you're going to say, you're going to be like, well, we should find another method. But I think the only method right now is that the people who are very comfortable okay. should pay a little bit do more I, so that they can do the people least for Do I think that's GPs? No, I don't. Do I think that's firemen? No, I don't. Do I think that's police officers? No, I don't. Do I think that's people that contribute significantly to our society anyway? No, I don't. I think if, if, you're, if you really want to tax individuals more, let's look at taxing people earning £200,000. Mm. You know, a significant amount of money. Not £50,000 when they're trying to bring up a family. Well, the top 5% of earners is £80,000, which is a significant amount more is, than £50,000, is fair yeah. to say. But let's face it, you know, these, this, even the top 1%, you, let's start talking about that rather than the top 5 um, if we're really going to have a serious debate about... I think I have the top 1%. If we're going to have a serious debate about tax <laughs> increases... Uh, I can t- well, actually, the top, I bring in the top 5 is 75, and the top 3 is 80. So Sorry, yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I would say, coming back to the idea about uh, sort of you work hard and you want to get more out of life, I think that's completely fair. I think that's absolutely how it should be. But the idea that someone can work that much harder to have this amazing life compared to the people in poverty, I think is ridiculous. I don't think anyone would think that... Those people who are on minimum wage, working hard, they're not working so much less hard than these CEOs and whoever. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think taxing... And I think there's a lot of people in that top bracket, yeah, yeah. again, who are working hard, of course, and definitely deserve to be rewarded for it. But because they have so much more, given they're not working that much more, that, that much harder, uh, I feel like it's fair for them to contribute a bit more. Yeah, I totally get it. And when you talk about CEOs, I totally get it. I mean, look at Unilever. The CEO of Unilever earns £11 million pounds of his salary. I mean, it's obscene, isn't it? That is ridiculous money. And you're absolutely right to contrast those two. But what my argument is, is about raising the the, inc- the income tax on people earning 50000 to £80,000. 
who are trying to bring up a family wherever in the country. That's my point. I still think the difference in living standards between those 80,000 people and the minimum wage people is still more significant, than you can say. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would say that's more, I don't know, significant than the difference in working hard merits. Yeah, I, I think I've got a question. Um, from someone who doesn't study economics or politics, um, why is there a bracket? Why isn't it just a linear um, tax rate? So the more you, uh, more you earn, the like it raises... like. We have a like, positive like, correlation. Like, why does that mm. not happen? As in, like, a, you mean like a so, percentage figure? Yeah, so literally, like, the more you earn, the more you tax. Like, why is it, why is it not just, like, a linear thing? Why is there brackets? So, so as in, uh, if you're earning, uh, if, there's, if you're on minimum wage, yeah. you're getting taxed nothing. And then as you go up, you're, you're earning 20,000, it's, like, 2%, yeah, 3%, yeah. 4%. Yeah, until it, you get yeah. to, like, the billionaires and they're earning something like they're getting like 99% whatever like yeah. tax rates or whatever the hell because I think the problem with the bracket is like there is there's like a certain like number where like you're better off earning less than you are more yeah, and like a lot of people are on that sort of wage just so they don't get taxed more so they actually take home more I think it's a fair point I will have uh, a problem with that policy yeah. implementation but the problem is that policy isn't implemented ever yeah. and there's probably a reason for that logistically mm-hmm. you know um, another problem occurs in that I think because lo- there's lots of um, government incentives yeah. For tax, um, if you're in a tax bracket, like like you're able to, it's something like your twenty thousand pounds a year is able to be put into a pension, yeah. and that's tax free, and that will get deducted off your tax, um, and stuff like that. And I just think there's um, the the reason the bracket exists is probably logistically as opposed to yeah. um, uh, politically, like your political views. I don't think mm. anyone would disagree that probably having a linear system would make more sense in our society. Uh, I'd have an issue with a flat tax rate, um, and I think the problem with the linear system is that um, sometimes as you reach the top ends, it can grow exponentially, Yeah. Um, and I don't know if linearly, well, well, we know wealth isn't actually distributed linearly at all. Yeah. We know it's distributed exponentially towards the top end of earners, Yeah. so I don't know if a linear system would work necessarily mm. because of that, because as you reach the end, it's going to skew massively, mm. and so the billionaires will still be earning their billions. Yeah. Well, I think that concludes our first debate. Um, we'll be right back after this song. This is URB, University Radio Bath. Welcome back to the politics show. Um, we just had a great debate about taxes. So if you want to re- if you want to rehear that, go to the Spotify URB Spotify to re-listen to that on our podcast. Make sure you check it out. There's going to be loads of other podcasts coming. Just about everything, really. Um, <laughs> in honour of Marcus being here, we're going to have a little oh, debate, a little discussion. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a little discussion about um, Extinction Rebellion. Um, I think to start this off, I'd like to hear what you do for Extinction sure. Rebellion and a little bit about who they are. Okay, so I guess we'll start with uh, sort of who they are first. So the idea of Extinction Rebellion is to bring to light the climate catastrophe that is facing us. Sort of people have been putting off for 30 years now, we've known about it, but no one's done anything about it. The big oil companies have grown massively and yet nothing has happened. So the whole idea of Extinction Rebellion is the... Oh, I'm, there's three aims. I don't know if I remember all of them. <laughs> First not, one, not tell the truth, is, the, is, the, is the, like, the big one. It's getting people talking about it as the emergency that it is. Because yeah. uh, you don't really get the sense from government that it's as big an issue as it is. Like Brexit has dominated the landscape for so long now. But we really need to be talking about the environment because we really don't have very long to sort it out. So, yeah. 
the other ones, oof, declare a climate emergency. I think the government has already done that, but that's more of an international sort of thing, getting people to... Yeah, because this is obviously an international exactly, um, exactly. organisation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my role in Extinction Rebellion, so I only joined just before Christmas, yeah. but sort of keen to get more involved. So uh, there's sort of like regular meetings and we discuss things and the idea is you... So it's, it's, a, it's quite a broad, a broad church, to use that term. Sort of like there's a variety of things that people do. So there's a lot of like uh, regenerative sort of things, like people who are aware of this catastrophe that faces us. It can be quite daunting. So sort of reassuring each other, doing things to make each other feel better about the whole situation <laughs> is always quite nice. Sort yeah. of like, and it sort of uh, encourages education in sustainable practices. So like... You might uh, learn how to make some vegetarian or vegan dish, or you might and then eat it together, and that's quite nice. Or you might go and like plant some trees and get out into nature and <laughs> breathe the air, that sort of thing. Yeah. That sort of thing is all quite nice. And then there's the other side, there's the sort of action side of it. And I think this gets a lot of sort of, uh, how do I put it, like bad rep in a way. Like yeah. I think there's a lot more to it than people realise. So uh, as well as the actual action, so... There's, so even in the word action, there's a variety of things that can come from that. So there's the sort of thing that everyone seems to associate with Extinction Rebellion, which is like blocking roads and like... So there's non-violent direct action is the idea. Yeah. So like peaceful, peacefully disrupting the system, ideally, to, to sort of bring attention to the problem. But there's also uh, actions that don't involve that sort of thing. So recent, recently there was a big action, not uh, by XR, but Extinction Rebellion people were there in the British Museum in London Mm. against BP, because BP funds, uh, it's funding currently one of their exhibits. And Extinction Rebellion took part in that, not brandishing Extinction Rebellion flags or anything, but sort of in a a peaceful as always capacity, but just a silent march around the museum, sort of very simple, just again, bringing attention to the issue. So... Uh, yeah, so, so I suppose to wrap up, yeah. bringing attention to the issue is, is the big thing. So obviously um, in the news we see a lot about these sorts of actions you just yeah. described. Have you personally been part of one? So, uh, I mean, I went to this BP thing, although I was yeah. there in a more sort of uh, assistant role, I suppose, okay. like helping the people who are doing the action. And uh, in... So last October, before I was officially a part of it, there was the October Rebellion you might have heard of before. Yeah. Uh, the most recent sort of uh, big protest in London and I did attend that but it was a bit I don't know all over the place because of the yeah. police uh, crackdown yeah. on it so they didn't go very far but yeah hope, hoping to get more involved in the future so. yeah so obviously the disruptions being broadcast a lot by the media mm. um, do we think uh, opening it up to the board now um, do we think the disruptions um, validated do we think that it's the right way to go about um, giving off this opinion well, I mean, climate change is a huge issue, yeah. and I've always said I think the Conservative government, frankly, just is embarrassing, the, the, the lack of yeah. attention that they give to it, yeah. um, for sure. So I think like you definitely need um, that kind of, as Marcus says, to raise the awareness to, to the issue and definitely bring society behind um, such an important cause. But then I think, at the same time, some of the, some of the ways... It's a learning curve, it's a movement, so they're learning how to do things. But definitely. initially, um, the movement definitely went about things in the wrong way. Um, from my perspective, it started off as this thing that was nothing to do with really left or right, um, just about an environmental policy, which is a really good thing. And then they started getting on the TV and saying th- and you know blocking hospitals and things like that, which obviously they didn't intend to do. It was a, a mistake, and um, I believe that a son 
couldn't see his father passing away because they were blocking the hospital. Um, and after that point, some, one of the Extinction Rebellion leaders was asked about it on the television, said, well, will you, will you do this again? Will you block hospitals? Uh, and she said, well, yes, you can't tell us what we're not going to do. And at that point, I started to think, right, well, this is getting slightly ideological to the, to the point where you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be blocking hospitals. Because um, if you want to get society um, with you and get everyone on board, you can't alienate people like that. And things like that will do that. So you can't have any level of arrogance um, over those kind of issues. And I think that's where they went slightly wrong with it. Um, I still think there's like a huge future for it, because as I say, it's a learning curve. Um, but if you want to bring society with you on an issue, definitely learn from your mistakes in the past and don't sort of try and rise above it as if you're, you're more knowledgeable or you deserve to be there more than anyone else does. Yeah. Um, Tom? Um, well, I mean, if you want a strike to be effective, the idea is to, or, or an activism of any description, you want it to be as disruptive as possible. What, not seeing, not letting oh, no, 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 Okay, die. so that's, a, I mean, that's, that's a, a very, should we close the M25 because people case. get stuck in traffic? You should we, yeah, that's a very specific case. It's a bit of a straw man. I think, you know, should we, it is, I mean, you're literally saying like, the, you're, you're, you're boiling down their entire argument to essentially they blocked that's one hospital. That's not the only case. Well, okay, we're blocking. You're blocking it down to multiple, like individual cases. But there's numerous um, places across the country where people get in uh, situations where you know they can't see or do something, and it's not necessarily um, the intention of the person act um, doing causing this problem, which stops a person from getting somewhere or doing something. But the point of it, of it was to be as disruptive as possible, yeah, to I gain as much, to gain as much uh, press attention as possible. You notice as soon as the police really yeah. started cracking down when that's they hit what, Canary Wharf and when they hit the really place where the people who don't like disruption and have the power have the ability to start to... I did, I did find it interesting they targeted public transport when they, when they jumped on the DLR. You're thinking, well, isn't that, I mean, isn't that a better I, way to get across London than an Uber? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I, mean, I think mistakes have been made. Just to come back to this hospital uh, thing, I haven't heard about that uh, case in particular, but I think it's slightly misleading to sort of focus, like you say, focus on these sorts of things because... It's really not the major part of what's going on. So the big protests in London, of course, are very important because it's where the seat of power is, it's where you've got to get to the issue, but a lot of what's being blocked isn't hospitals. <laughs> the majority of what's being blocked isn't hospitals. And a lot of effort goes into making sure like emergency routes are clear so people, so people and ambulances can get to where they're going. There's a lot of preparation that goes into disrupting, but not in a way that... I think they've learned that. Harm the yeah. emergency service. And like you say, yeah, there's a lot of learning that's been done. Because, yeah, I guess it's like, at least in England, it's been a while since this sort of thing has happened. And with each sort of big rebellion, a lot of lessons are learned. So, uh, yeah, like you say about sort of uh, annoying the public has been... I think I personally would justify it in the first case, in April, when the first... Or big, like, the first big rebellion was... Because the issue is too important. Like, I don't think we can uh, let some people being slightly annoyed get in the way of yeah. bringing light to this big issue. But I think it would be counterproductive to yeah do such to like to keep annoying the public in such a way. So, like, like you mentioned, the man on the the tube train. I think that was definitely a mistake. I think a lot of people in Extinction Rebellion acknowledge that as a mistake. He had the right intention, but clearly it was misguided. <laughs> And clearly the public thought that as well. And if you've seen the video, it's quite, yeah. quite, yeah, shocking. Brutal, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. But I think the other, the other sort of issue I have with the, the whole movement is the, this Greta Thunberg uh, figure. Sure. Um, I do find... Do you, do you think that she... Because she obviously has Asperger's, right? That's right, yeah. Um, so 
I do think... Do you ever think she's being slightly manipulated? I've seen videos of her on social media, and I think, you know, this is slightly, this is slightly sinister, isn't it? When she's oh. doing her speeches and she's getting a bit... And she, you can see her physically panicking. Um... I would say it was panic worthy, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, but then, but then also, then I think this culture spread, and you see like children in Australia. I, was, I saw this on social media the other day of standing in the road, and she's clearly like a six-year-old girl, and her father obviously believes in the whole process, which is fine. But then putting her in the middle of the protest, I think. That, does, do you think it encourages that kind of culture in a way? What sort bringing, of culture? bringing kids into the protest? Really? I, I think we have to bring kids into the protest. Even their lives that are going to be affected it, by it. If that means they're missing school as well. Again, I guess. Well, I mean, it, to use a slightly, is, oh, I don't know. No schools on a dead planet. <laughs> if we all die, then we're not going to get anywhere, are we? Well, we're not all going to die, are we? I mean, it could go that way, but yeah, it depends. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty there. So yeah. I'll, I'll be slightly less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, going back to Henry's point, isn't the key to this whole um, rebellion movement to get people on your side? Yeah. And if yeah, you start annoying yeah. the public, does that not like? Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Go I think, against what you're trying to do? I think it's, it comes in stages, right? Like we say, it's a learning curve. Initially, no one's talking about the situation, so I think you've got to get on the streets and start getting the, yeah. the word out. Now that people are seemingly coming on board, uh, so the movement is growing, I think there's definitely more to be said about getting these sort of regenerative ideas uh, more widespread. So I think, I think Extinction Rebellion could do well to sort of get away from this idea that they're just a non-violent direct action movement. I yeah. think there's a lot of work to be done there. I think that'll come because I think, it, yeah, it's not sustainable, right? You can't keep hitting the streets of London every year if nothing changes. You've got to sort of... You've what got to do what does the non-direct action actually mean? Because sure. I'd say it looks quite direct. Sure. <laughs> uh, no, no. It, it's, it's non-violent direct okay. action. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so XR... Non-violent to the T, like yeah. definitely doesn't support violence. Get that out there, um, but yeah, the direct action part of it is the sort of uh, sort of like Gandhi, Martin Luther King inspired elements. Yeah, um, Henry, if you think that these sorts of rebellions aren't the way forward, how would you get across that message? Um, well, I, I think firstly, not calling it a rebellion, yeah, um, which is quite a, an aggressive term. Um, would be quite a good way of going about it, as if you're sort of rebelling against the entirety of society, when actually it's not, it's the establishment sort of thing that you're... Yeah. Um, how would I go about it? I, I, I'm all for protests, I'm all for freedom of speech, um, but it's doing it in a way that, as I say, brings society with you, and I think being considerate of the general public. You know, when you're going, doing these protests around London, just think, you know, this lady going to work, however, whatever demographic she's in, you know, she doesn't, she's not like necessarily against what you think, but you're stopping her getting to work and it's going to irritate her. So just bear that in mind. And it's fine that you're doing that because I understand that you need to cause disruption, but show some sympathy to that. And yeah. I think show some sympathy to the, to the general public and just explain, you know, like you have now, Marcus, like mm. this is why we're doing it. And I don't think they did that effectively. And I think they came that's across that's on BBC, on, you know, BBC News. It's almost like, why don't people understand why we're not letting them get to work? Well, just mm. give the, your argument rather than it act as if you have this esoteric knowledge that you should be doing it and that's that you know i, I guess the media coverage of extinction rebellion is another is another debate no true yeah yeah uh, i would we, say we go yeah, ahead if you want the, the stories i hear from people who are at the rebellion seem to be very positive whenever people would come up to them they would try and like obviously the, per, the member of the public is quite uh, distressed they're obviously trying to get somewhere 
Uh, from all the stories I've heard, people are very considerate. People mm. are sort of talking them, like de-escalating them, like explaining. Yeah. But I guess it doesn't come across that well in sort of the national yeah. media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'm so all for, like, the Extinction Rebellion cause. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just how you go about it, which yeah, is so yeah. important. It's definitely... Because it's yeah. a make-or-break thing. Like, you could either completely alienate society, or you could bring them with definitely, you definitely. at, at yeah, that yeah. juncture. Do you think people understand the climate crisis enough? Do you think they understand how much of a crisis it is, in your opinion? Uh, I struggle with this. I think... No. <laughs> Ultimately. I think it's hard to say. I, I don't want to sound high and mighty saying that, because I think it's, it's a complicated one, because... Uh, we all go through stages of sort of like reading about it more and then getting more like uh, not hyped up about it, but yeah. like you know the, whatever I mean. Uh, so I think it, I think we all sort of dip in and out of realizing how urgent the situation is. But I don't even think there's a long way to go to getting sort of society as a whole on on it <laughs> to yeah. the degree that's necessary. Tom, any closing thoughts? None that have already been said. Just no? that I think you know. Um, it's probably getting a worse rap than anticipated yeah. in uh, large media due to potentially the funders of said large media. Mm. That's interesting. Um, and, you know, I think that's always relevant when you yeah. think about these arguments yeah. is that well, this society is naturally against Extinction Rebellion. Well, uh, sorry, uh, media is naturally against Extinction Rebellion mm. because of who funds it. Yeah. Do you think that's... Yeah. So do you think, um, like, the media in general is against envir- positive environmental policy? Is that corporate interest, do you think? I- I don't know, like, explain. explain. Um, so, consider the largest, um, sort of one of the more stable industries over the past 20 years has been oil, with the exception of, you know, when something crazy happens in the Middle East. Right, yeah. Generally, it's a safe stock to invest in. You consider that most of the many rich who own or have investments in uh, large um, media businesses. Uh, probably have a stock portfolio or some description or some investment in some companies. And then you consider that uh, naturally they're going to want to work in their own interest. Um, and so obviously the what's against their interest is if uh, we decide that crude oil companies um, are bad and we don't necessarily want them to be fracking or necessarily make, make more oil products or whatever, this or petrol or this, that, kerosene, um, all that. If we ne- necessarily decide that we don't want that, their stock's going to plummet, and all these people who have quite a lot invested in them are necessarily not going to be too happy. And I think, you know, it's it's not a hard argument to to, to see or buy, because I don't think it's based in much fiction. I think it's probably yeah. fairly true. I mean, it certainly needs... It's a tenuous link, so yeah. it certainly needs empirical proof. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I can't look at the stock portfolios of no, all the billionaires in the I world, mean, know, but, but, yeah. but, you know, you naturally... We see time and time again that people use media to sway things into their influence. Oh, yeah. And so it doesn't seem too dis- disbelievable to me that certainly, certainly. Big Oil would use media to sway yeah. public opinion against large protests. I'd always jump- I would also jump in there that big media loves a scandal, right? Uh, the coverage yeah. that the, Extinction, the positive side of the Extinction Rebellion protests got, uh, say, in October, compared to the coverage that this tube, this one man on the tube got, is, is ridiculous, <laughs> frankly, given the the uh, magnitude of the situation <laughs> yeah, um, yeah what I was going to ask is um, just the last last little point um, do you think it's fair to sort of drag police away from doing their like quote unquote job hmm. and have a lot of security around the rebellion like I'm hearing like the, there's obviously a Bristol um, thing going on tomorrow with like Greta Thunberg yeah, yeah. to be there and there's a lot in the media at the moment about that about saying how 
they're expecting so many numbers that it's actually going to be unsafe. Interesting. Um, so do you think that is, that, is that a worry for you as someone who's part of that organisation? I would say sometimes the police sort of presence can be overdone. So yeah. Like in October, there was massively more police than there needed to be. And, yeah, obviously it takes away police from jobs that they should be doing, right? Yeah. So uh, on the scale of it not being safe, I suppose it's... Yeah, it's conflicting because on one hand, yeah, there's definitely jobs that they should could be doing, but on the other hand, I don't know, if it spreads awareness for the environmental issues that or the, the peril that faces us, then I suppose yeah. there's justification there. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I could fall completely on either side. I think it's quite a great question, but I would say there's, there's reasonable justification there. Yeah, right, brilliant. Um, we'll be back for another debate in a second. Um, up next is a bit of Sam Fender. Oh, Hello and welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, it's not over my water bottle. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, we're back um, from maybe our last part. We're not sure. Um, but we're going to be talking all about the monarchy. I know we've got some lot of strong opinions in here about this. So um, the reason we're talking about this, obviously, because they're big in the news at the moment. Um, last year, big scandal with Prince Andrew, which we won't go into, hopefully, because um, <laughs> he's been a bit sensitive. And um, obviously, more recently, they're in the news because of Prince Harry. Um, my question is, do you think there is a place for the English monarchy in modern society? Let's start with Henry. Yes, I absolutely do. Um, I think they act as good role models for society uh, on the whole. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that in the sense of everyday lives with Prince Andrew and what he's done and all that kind of thing, but in, in terms of what they represent um, is a good thing. Uh, and it's a great thing for our country. You know, it brings thousands, uh, millions of visitors over all the time. Um, so it's good for, for economics of tourism, I guess. Um, and yeah, I think it represents a good thing, and I'm quite proud of it. I'm quite proud to be British, and I love this country, and I think they embody that. So, yeah. yeah. Tom? Cool, that's fantastic. I disagree on pretty much every point you make. So, I don't like uh, the monarchy. Uh, I don't think they. The tourism argument is very sound, and I'll get into that in a bit. Um, I don't necessarily think they represent positive values either uh i do actually like being from britain i don't like that uh about that but i don't necessarily uh agree with um that the royal family naturally necessarily represents that uh, and also i have an issue with hereditary um power systems in general so that's why i don't like them marcus i'm sort of in the middle on the whole issue <laughs> Uh, I would say, I don't know the numbers for the tourism aspect of it, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, the idea that they're role models, I guess, can sort of go up and down again, the media, how they portray them. Uh, I do think they fulfil a useful role in some ways, because obviously you've got Parliament, and they ultimately answer to the Queen, even though she doesn't uh, use as much power as she has. I think it's definitely good that that power is out of the hands yeah. of sort of the Prime Minister who might change every uh, however many years, so... I think I, I sometimes do wonder about the funding of the monarchy, how sort of like lavishly they seem to <laughs> to have it compared to other people. But at the same time, I think I think they could. I think there's potential there. I think uh, generally the queen, especially, is quite good. I would say in terms of mm. the way she presents herself. Yeah. But I definitely think there's sort of uh, they, we need to be cautious. I think. Yeah. The, it's a, yeah. It's interesting about how you say about the representing ourselves on the international stage because the queen is 
unbelievably neutral like yeah, it's incredible yeah. really over her whole reign she's never really got never in fact got involved yeah, yeah. in a political issue or, or anything severe so what we have is someone who is pretty sound and very respected representing us on the international stage which I think is massively important and I think you know look at Boris Johnson incredibly polarising look at Donald Trump we want someone like that representing us as our head of mm. state on the international stage so we have this figure which I think is so unique and fantastic to represent us and can approach leaders and do numerous things as for leverage for no loads of different reasons, which I think is really unique and effective that we can use. Yeah, so how do you reply to that? Because obviously the Queen has built up good relations in the past with mm-hmm. other presidents, in fact. Like. Uh, yes, that's very true. Uh, she has. I just necessarily don't know um, it, why we necessarily still need her. I know we're saying that she's remained incredibly neutral mm. and that's incredibly good, um, but it also, uh, you never send the Queen to a country to negotiate a trade deal. You send the Queen to a country because the country wanted the Queen to be there. Um, it's sort of, the, and you, that's pretty much the dish. I mean, you're, no, you're not going to send her to discuss no. high state issues. And, and uh, to, to further on from the point, um, I think it's also not fair that necessarily... Um, we can't have an elected, uh, well, you know, if we had a nice electoral system, we probably would have, um, <laughs> we probably would be able to elect somebody who we would be happy representing us. And I think it's fair to say that there have been other presidents in yeah. the world which people have been happy representing, I think. Oh, yeah. um, Barack Obama was voted something like the coolest man in the world at one point, like, you know, something ridiculous. <laughs> that. Like, I don't think we necessarily need yeah. um, a hereditary um, sort of, uh, someone to represent us in the world stage. Don't need it, but it's we've had we have it, and it's and it's moulded to the times, and um, it's effective, and I think that's good. Look at look at what the Queen was like with Donald Trump. You know, it, for 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 Boris Johnson to be so friendly almost and represent it's it's politically damaging and completely. But because it's the Queen, who everyone knows is neutral, anyone on political issues, which can be such a toxic thing, she completely neutralises that, and that's so unique. And she was able to also do that with the Brexit issue. I felt when she released that statement. And she said, look, let's just come together about this issue. Um, and I think that kind of influence is so, is so important, so unique, rather than just constantly arguing. She just is a, a break to that. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know what Charles would be like, but she is a break to that. And I think she has just done such a cracking job at, at doing that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, going back to your point, Tom, um, you say like you don't like authoritarian like sort of leaders, but then you also say that you don't like how she go, goes places and doesn't do trade deals. Doesn't that sort of match up? Don't, don't you have someone that's neutral? Um, and... No, what I'm saying is I don't like that. Uh, the argument was that she goes to places as our head of state Yeah. because she goes to places as our head of state in a purely ceremonial role. So... Um, Whilst I, I don't like hereditary power systems, that's true, and I wouldn't want her doing that, yeah. I also don't think there's much point her being our head of state because uh, equally she's... It's, 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 I think it's backing up my point rather than conflicting with okay, it yeah. in that it's... I'm not saying that I want the Queen to have a power system. I'm saying I don't know why the Queen is being sent in the first place. I guess there's something to be said for the sort of uh, less... Uh, like work side of the whole relationship <laughs> between countries like I think yeah you've got to make trade deals and whatever but I definitely think there's something to be said for sort of uh, the public opinion of the relationship and I think the Queen does do a lot of good on that regard because I think yeah having a sort of a state visit from the Queen might ultimately be I don't know from a trade point of view pointless in terms of relations between sort of the peoples of the countries I think there can be good there 
Yeah, and also going back to your like, opening statement, um, you said like you're you proud to be British, but and um, but like obviously the monarchy like represent Britain. Um, why do you not think that they do represent Britain? Um, because I don't think they necessarily reinforce. Well, I mean, I have issues with the idea that the Queen is the epitome of Britishness. Okay. Um, because she is an unelected hereditary. It's, it's a bit of a, I'm going to keep saying it, but she's unelected. It's a hereditary position, which is based in the fact that she just had the biggest stick at the right time and then was essentially mm. the right um, person at the right time, born in the right family. Mm. Uh, I also have a big issue of the fact that we basically just look to the royal family to breed. I mean, you look at everything, it's literally just like, marry, have a kid, please, yeah. just please just marry, have a kid. Oh, yeah. I want another royal wedding, please. Oh, God, yeah. please. Like, it's just like, I don't think that's necessarily... Um, do we do we really want like to just yeah. our entire mm. news stories of of British culture to be essentially like well uh, a happy couple had a baby and I think it's it's quite <laughs> would, funny. Would you rather that than like, a negative story? So obviously Brexit is <laughs> massive and you don't agree with that. Would you rather people think of Britain as the ones that leave in the EU or would you rather think of them as oh they have this nice little monarchy? Um, or big monarchy. I'd rather well, I think I think people can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people um, currently think of us as both, so I don't think necessarily having a queen yeah, okay. makes us not Brexit, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, going, to, going to you now, Henry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pointing a gun the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, why should taxpayers be paying for this? Because they, as I say, they represent us. And the queen, they, you know, these guys don't just sit on their, um, don't know what I can say, on their arse all day. They actually do. They actually do a significant amount of good things. They're incredibly busy people. They do so much charity. Mm. Talk about the environment earlier. Prince Charles has done a significant amount of work with numerous uh, organisations and funded numerous organisations about the environment, good values, and as I say, that that's what adapts them to to modern society. Um, and I go back, to, you know, about the hereditary nature of it. Of course, now we wouldn't somehow put in this that system now, right? Like it, it's it wouldn't mm. be, we wouldn't do it now, but it's in place. And what, I'll give you like the example. If, if you don't like an old historic building, which is culturally significant, you don't just knock it down. I'm not suggesting to knock so, the queen down. <laughs> <laughs> so the system's in place. No one's no one's suggesting that we're yeah. going to like re, re like create a monarchy in, in in that model again. Yeah. But it's mm. in place, mm-hmm. and I think it would just be too. It'd be so ridiculous to get rid of it and destroy it because people accept it on the whole. That's the public opinion. That's the public. Yeah, view. I would agree with that. I think. While, while it's working, I think it's fine. I think mm. maybe when the Queen sadly dies, then maybe we'll that enjoy thinking. That could lead to a discussion, yeah. Ultimately, we've got bigger fish to fry at the moment, I would say. I don't Absolutely. Think we need to be, Absolutely. I think we need to be dabbling in the sort of intricacies of the monarchy too much while it's not a problem. Yeah. Mm. For you then, Henry, is it literally just the historical nature of it? Is it just because they've been around for so long? No, 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 no. It's how they represent us today. And, and the most important thing for me um, is how... We can all unite yeah. under that figure, who is politically neutral. And politics is so can is at the moment so divisive. Mm-hmm. And to have that figure that, as a society, we can all get behind and be like, you know, we support this because it represents British values. Yeah. Um, 
that it for me is important yeah. that's the the absolute benefit of it in you, modern day do you think they are undivisive because obviously just in this room we've got three people who yeah. don't have well, completely agreeable yeah. opinions on it like there are, the po- there are po- they do polls a lot and mm. they ask do you agree with the monarchy yeah. and it doesn't always come back favourably like mm. but, I mean it's vast support for the monarchy absolutely within British public opinion yeah I don't know the numbers. Hopefully. I don't know the numbers either, but mm. I'm going to say the opposite and say there's not far <laughs> support. I'm going to say it's about 50-50. Um, yeah, and obviously, I've got to go back to you, Tom, sorry. Um, yeah. You said about, like, you don't agree with the tourism argument. Yeah, I'd I don't. love to know why not. Um, so a lot of the time, as soon as you say, uh, I don't like the monarchy, you get the response of, ah, well, they actually bring in more money than we spend on them. So. Yeah. And I would just argue, I would just argue, well, um, questionable, uh, I would just argue <laughs> that, um, I would argue that two things. I'd argue, one, that we, um, they're, even though they uh, bring in more than we pay but them or whatever the argument is, um, uh, we, what we pay to them is ridiculous. Um, for example, Sovereign Grant Act of 2011, we changed um, how we paid them from a flat rate to a percentage of Crown land revenue. The reason for this was so they could um, refer Buckingham Palace, which we then also paid for, £369 million of. Yeah. Um, at the same time, despite... And they didn't use the Sovereign Grant Act for that at all. They just essentially... We've just been increasing how much money we give them. Um, I would also then say... Uh, there's also other hidden costs, uh, security, travel, etc., etc. Um, furthermore, I don't think we necessarily need the monarchy to keep the tourism. Um, you look at uh, a country like France, which also had a very rich history of kings, which yeah. met, uh, you know, messy ended. I'm not suggesting that to begin with. But what I will say is, what I will say is, what I will say is, the Palace of Versailles gets 700 times more visitors than Buckingham Palace does every year. And if we're arguing for tourism, then why are we not opening the doors of Buckingham Palace? It's probably because of World War One. <laughs> why, why are we not opening the doors of Buckingham Palace? Because it's not as if um, the UK is, in fact, a pretty... It's, it's something like seventh in... Um, the, something like seventh for tourism. Yeah. France is, like, first. So, and, you know, like I said, they don't have a monarchy anymore. And I'm not, and I'm not suggesting we chop off the Queen's head, but I'm just saying there's, we don't need the monarchy to reap the tourism benefits from them, is what I'm saying. And also, equally, even if you wanted the royal family, if the royal family stopped being royalty, they would still be national celebrities yeah. for, like, True, yeah. the, for the rest, of, like, easily. Like, there is no way that we would yeah, just forget the Windsor family existed. Yeah. yeah and and so. they could easily yeah. fund themselves. I'm sure they wouldn't be the political neutral uh, state leader, but if we've already accepted that we don't want them as a political neutral state leader, then we have no problem accepting them as just essentially a tourism, you know, a reason for someone to come to the UK yeah. to see the royal, to, because they want to see th- where the royal family lived. Does you, do you disagree with the fact they are profitable then? Because you said uh, it's questionable. Well, I'm, so well, I'm, uh, I'm saying it's questionable because whilst they are technically profitable, yeah. it's not as if we're like... It's, it's not that they are... It's not the pure end We literally... They are, in many ways, not as profitable as they could be. So yeah. why are you making the argument that they're profitable? Because you're not... I didn't... No, because why is the argument being made... Sorry, I wasn't trying to name names or anything. Um, why is the argument being made when uh, we could expand if we really wanted to and make more money off tourism and the royal family necessarily without even uh without requiring them as a uh system which just displays a yeah 
uh, a poor hereditary system. And I also, well, I mean, we'll go. We'll, we, I don't know how much time we have left, so I don't want to get into another <laughs> point too too far. We've got a couple of minutes left, maybe. I mean, I don't. I think the tourism argument is pretty insignificant. I mean, I'm sure Downton Abbey being on air has given brought in more <laughs> tourists <laughs> yeah. to the UK than the royal family ever has. But for me, it's, it's the cultural significance, it's rather the ec- economic impact of, of the royal family. Yeah, Marcus, any closing comments? Uh, yeah, the economic side, I think, is one of the sides where I think we need to be careful. I think, like you say, all those problems about how we're funding the monarchy, I think that's definitely a problem. But I don't think that merits getting rid of them completely. I think we just need to review those things. And then while they're not too much of a an issue generally I think yeah. they can stay <laughs> yeah I think that's all, all we've got time for today boys cool. <laughs> thank you very much that's everyone fun. yeah unfortunately <laughs> um, make sure you <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah cheers guys um, make sure you stay tuned to URB to listen to the country show next with Alice and then at 8 we've got Tom with his own show if you want yep. to plug that uh, one quickly oh, yeah. uh, My Chemical Showmance nothing but emo <laughs> pop <basically. laughs> so oh, if, if you're into that then just make sure you listen um, also make sure you check out the Spotify um, we'll be on there other shows will be on there and we'll see you next week